0: You're listening to the Qalam Institute podcast series, Sirah, Life of the Prophet, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Qalam is pleased to announce that admissions for the next Qalam seminary intake are now open. For more information, please visit qalaminstitute.org. Bismillah <laughs> alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Inshallah, uh, continuing with our series on the life of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Seerat al-Nabawiyyah, the prophetic biography. <clears throat> In the previous session we talked about, um, or rather in the last few sessions we've been talking about the Battle of Badr. Specifically addressing um, the events leading up to the Battle of Badr and some some of what transpired um, in the days right before Badr. Like how the Muslims ended up there uh, in the battlefield and also the Quraysh with its army marching towards the place of Badr. In the previous session, we talked about the night before and the preparations for the actual battle itself and the dua of the Prophet ﷺ um, to Allah ta'ala to help them and aid them and protect them uh, on the day of Badr. For, today, inshallah, we're going to be talking about the actual commencement uh, of the battle itself. So, Ibn Kathir ta'ala, he writes something very beautiful. He says, هذا وقد he says all of the, keeping all of this in mind, now the two armies are in the battlefield facing against one another. Wa taqabal al-Fariqan, they are faced off and ready to go. hadar al-Khasman, rahman and all of this is of course happening before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Prophet of Allah sallallahu the leader of all the Prophets, he has very emphatically asked for Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala's help and assistance wa dajja sahabatu bi sunufid du'a and the sahaba have been loudly proclaiming their du'as of all different types asking Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala for guidance and for tawfiq and for protection إِلَىٰ رَبِّ الْأَرْضِ الدُعَاءِ دعائي وَكَاشِفِ الْبَلَاءِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not only the one who listens to the dua of the one who turns to Allah, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who removes adversity and difficulty from the one who makes dua to Allah. And the, right before the commencement of the battle, the first few casualties that were suffered on that day, the very first casualty was actually on the side of the mushrikun. There was an individual by the name of Al Aswad bin Abdul Asad Al Makhzumi. And so what he basically did was he swore to the idols to his the rest of the people on the side of the Quraysh he swore to the idols I will walk over to the Muslim side and I will basically do whatever it is that I want to do and nobody will have the courage to stop me. And he was known to be kana rajulan sharisan sayy al That he was somebody who was Sayyid al khuluq. Excuse me. He was somebody who was very uh, temperamental, he was somebody who was known to have very bad, very ill character. So he came over to the side of the Muslims and started approaching towards that side. Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the uncle of the Prophet drew his sword and walked towards him and basically struck him down before he could reach the ranks of the Muslims. This was the first casualty that was suffered on this particular day. The next couple of casualties that were suffered um, Were on the side of the Muslims And this was basically because of The Mushrikun, the Quraysh What they started to do was They started launching arrows Before the battle had actually started They started launching arrows And the Prophet of Allah wasallam, He had told the Muslims at that time That do not shoot your arrows back. Don't waste arrows, but just wait very patiently. Only strike them once they come within range of you. So, nevertheless, when the Quraysh started uh, launching their arrows, they were still very far away. So it's not like that they were, you know, uh, really uh, causing major casualties to the Muslims. But nevertheless, it's mentioned that there were two Sahaba, uh, two companions of the Prophet ﷺ who were struck by uh, two arrows. One of them as he was nearing uh, one of the wells to drink water from there, and he was struck down at that time by an arrow. And another one of them as he was standing within the ranks of the Muslims, waiting for the battle to actually commence. That at that time, uh, an arrow ended up striking him um, and he also fell at that time. Uh, due to that. So these were the first two Muslim casualties and of course that is exactly what we call a shaheed, a marcher, somebody who gives their life in the defense of Islam uh, in fighting on behalf of Islam and somebody who dies uh, such a death in the battlefield. It's mentioned about one of them actually that the, when he fell, when he was struck by one of the arrows and he fell, um, later on His mother actually came to the Prophet of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam One of the Sahaba who was the first to die Um, And his mother asked the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam That what happened with my son? I want you to tell me what is the situation of my son? What happened to my son? She said because if he is in paradise Then of course I'm happy and I'm pleased And there's nothing more I could ask for but she said that if he is not in paradise, then I will cry and I will lament. And she became very emotional. Um, you know, she said that then Allah subhanahu wa taala will see uh, what it is that I will do, meaning that I will cry and I will scream and I will, you know, uh, mourn his death. Um, and so the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he addressed her. And he said, Way Haki, He said, what are you talking about? Ahabilti? Have you lost your mind? Um, and the Prophet ﷺ wasn't reprimanding her so much about her saying what she was saying Because he understood that this is a mother, she's just lost her son And so she's very emotional due to the fact that she's lost her son But rather the Prophet of Allah then told her that You talk about your son being in paradise He mentioned to her that there are eight فَإِنَّهَا جِنَانٌ ثَمَانٍ There are eight gates of paradise and she, and he told her that, and your son is in Jannatul Firdausil A'la. He is in the highest levels and highest stages of paradise. Um, so these were the first two. There were two Sahaba who basically were the first two in the battlefield uh, to fall due to stray air being hit by and being struck by two stray arrows from the side of the Mushrikun. Now, after this particular point, um, it's mentioned in the Qur'an Basically alludes to this as well um, There are narrations in Bukhari Which talk about the fact that This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Is alluding to um, In those uh, ayat. But hadani Hasmani fi rabbihim, Right And other such similar ayat of that nature And I'll talk a little bit more about that But nevertheless Once a little bit of this back and forth had happened Then at that particular time it's mentioned that Utbah bin Rabi'ah, who was one of the leaders of the Quraysh, along with his brother Shaybah, and then his son Walid. So Utbah bin Rabi'ah, his brother Shaybah bin Rabi'ah, and then Utbah bin Rabi'ah's son Walid bin Utbah. These three basically walked out from the ranks of the disbelievers and stood in the middle of the battlefield. And then they called that send out three people from amongst you to fight us. We will start the battle. So at that particular time it's mentioned in the narrations that three of the Ansar they walked out and the 3 ansar meaning 3 sahaba from the from the medinan community 3 ansaris they walked down they were Awf and Muawid. some narrations mention his name as muadh auf auf and muadh who were both the sons of al-hadith and their mother's name was afra and uh, specifically, they were raised by their mother, and so they were known as Ibn Afra, the two sons of Afra. They were known as being very young, brave, valiant men. So these two young men, they stepped out, and the third one was Abdullah bin Rawaha, radiyallahu taala Abdullah bin Rawaha, radiyallahu anhu, was a poet and somebody who was known for being a very brave soldier. He was a f- great fighter. They stepped out. When these three stepped out, then Utbah shouted back at them. He said, Man antum, who are you people? They said, Rahtum min al Ansar. We are a group from the Ansar, from the Medinan Muslims. So Utbah said back to them, Ma lana bikum min haja. We have nothing to do with you people. Um, Rather, he said that, Akhrijoo ilayna min bani ammina. Sent out to us our own cousins. Send out our cousins to us. Meaning the same people who left our religion, who defied us, who disrespected us, who we have a problem with, who ran away from their homes and their families. Send them out to us. We want to deal with them. وَنَادَى munadihim And عُتْبَى said to, called out at that time, يَا مُحَمَّدْ أَخْرِجْ إِلَيْنَا أَكْفَاءَنَا مِنْ قَوْمِنَا He said, يَا Muhammad, Send out to us our own equals from our own people. So there was a hint of arrogance here, where they're like, what are we gonna fight you farmers for? Sent out our own people, people that you know are of equal status to us. Don't humiliate us by sending out these people to us. So that is when the Prophet ﷺ, he turned back around to the group of the sahaba and he said, Khumya Ubaydatabnul Hadith. ibn al-Hadith, رَضِيَ اللَّهُ uh, anhu was a cousin of the Prophet. ﷺ. He was a cousin of the Prophet. ﷺ. His Ubayt ibn al-Hadith, Ubayda, the son of Hadith, the son of Abdul Muttalib. So, Ubaidat ibn al-Harith was a cousin of the Prophet So he's a Qurayshi. وَقُمْ ya Hamza, And he said, stand up, O Hamza, وَقُمْ ya Ali, And Ali ibn Abi Talib r.a. So these three were called out. Ubaidat ibn al-Harith, Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib, and lastly and finally it was Ali ibn Abi Talib So these three stood up and basically went out there. One of the interesting narrations that Ibn Ishaq mentions, فَلَمَّا Even when these three went out in to the middle of the, the two armies where Utbah, Shaybah, and Walid were waiting to fight them, they said, who are you people? To Hamza, to Ubaidah, to Ali, even though they're related to them. So from this, uh, Ibn Kathir رحمه extrapolates دَلِيلٌ أَنَّهُمْ كَانُوا مُلَبَّسِينَ لَا يعرفون من that basically what happened was that that, that proves that they were wearing either some type of armor or they had their faces wrapped up. So he just extrapolates from this. So Ubaidah answers that, Ubaidah, I, this is Ubaidah. Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu told him that this is Hamza and similarly Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu identified himself. So at that time he said, Na'am Akfa'un Kiram. Yes, these are uh, equal uh, opponents. One of the very interesting narrations and again, it kind of shows you that you know this this was battle, this was warfare, and so you have to employ strategies of battle and warfare. All right, everything kind of has a place and a time. So one of the narrations mentions that when they went out there, Utbah said to them, "Takallumu n'arifkum. Speak up, so we can identify who you are, because they had their faces wrapped up." So Hamza taala anhu he said, "Ana asadullahi wa rasulihi. He said that I am the lion of Allah and the lion of the Messenger of Allah and Alhamza ibn Abdul Muttalib. So Utbah said, Kufun Karim. Okay, fine, you're an equal. Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, Ana Abdullahi wa ahu Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi salam. I am the slave of Allah and the brother of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi meaning I'm his cousin, I'm very close to him, I'm the brother of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi And Ubayda ibn Harith he said, Fil Hulafa, that I am from those people who has given the oath of allegiance to the Prophet. So then they basically lined up against one another. Uh, and at that particular time it, it specifically even mentions that Ubaytat ibn Hadith, taala anhu, who was the youngest from amongst the three, he was even younger than Ali Radiallahu Talanu at this time. He stood across from ibn uh, he stood across from Uthbah ibn Rabi'ah. So even though Uthba bin Rabi'ah was the eldest amongst them, but Ubaydat bin Harith stood across from him, Hamza radiyallahu ta'ala anhu stood across from Shayba, the brother, and Ali radiyallahu ta'ala anhu stood across from Walid, the son of Uthba. And basically that's when they started fighting, just these three, uh, these, these six basically, three on three if you will. And that's when they started fighting. At that particular time, Hamza and Ali radiyallahu taala anhuma they struck down uh, Shayba and Walid immediately. Like Shayba and Walid were not even able to raise their swords before Hamza and Ali radiyallahu taala anhuma struck them both down. And uh, Utbah and Ubayta ibn Harith radiyallahu taala anhu they basically both struck one another. And the narration specifically mentions that they both severely injured one another. They both ser- uh, basically served the other with a fatal blow. So they both struck each other very, uh, very seriously. And now that Hamza and Ali radiallahu taalaahu were done with their opponents, and they turned and they saw Ubaidah radiallahu taalaahu fall, so they basically then dispersed of Ujba and pretty much killed him on the spot. At that particular time, uh, Ali and Hamza radiallahu taalaahu picked up Ujba. Uh, uh, Ubaidah ibn Harith, their fallen companion, they picked up Ubaidah radiallahu ta'ala anhu and they carried him back to the ranks of the believers. When they carried him back, he was very severely injured, right? It was a fatal blow. He was very, very severely injured and he was bleeding out and dying from that injury. So they carried him and they took him back all the way to the Prophet ﷺ. At the beginning of the battle, it's mentioned that the Prophet ﷺ was still in that tent that was constructed for him, and he was still making dua over there. Ali bin Abi Talib mentions that you know the Prophet ﷺ stood up and started praying salah. He stood up and started praying. He had been making the dua, as I talked about last time, where he raised his hands and was so seriously making dua, so emphatically, you know, turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, talking to Allah, that the shawl fell off of his shoulders and Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu picked up the shawl and covered his shoulders and consoled him. That ba'da munashidatika rabbika, ya rasulullah, that Allah has accepted your dua, O Messenger of Allah. That the Prophet ﷺ at this time when the battle started, now he stood up and he started in salah, engaged in prayer, asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his help and his assistance, and his protection and asking Allah to send his assistance. So the Prophet ﷺ was still in there in the tent making du'a at that time, and Ali and Hamza ﷺ walk in with Ubaidat ibn Harith ﷺ seriously bleeding and seriously injured. They put him down. They him, laid him down next to the Prophet ﷺ, and the narration mentions that the Prophet of Allah sallam took the head of Ubaidat ibn Harith ﷺ and he put it in his lap. He took the head of Ubaidah ibn Harith radiallahu ta'ala he put it in his lap and he began to comfort Ubaidah ibn Harith radiallahu ta'ala anhu and making dua for him. And, um, and at that particular time, while his head was in the lap of the Prophet sallallahu ﷺ, Ubaidah ibn Harith said something extremely beautiful. Very, very beautiful. I mentioned this a long, long time ago uh, in the podcast, uh, quite some time ago in the Meccan era, when Abu Talib was still alive. And when Abu Jahl and some of the people of the Quraysh started kind of getting people together against the Prophet ﷺ, and launched a lot of propaganda against the Prophet ﷺ, to make the leaders of the Quraysh turn against the Prophet ﷺ, and even convince the family of the Prophet ﷺ, Banu Hashim, to give him up. To release him from their protection so that they could basically murder him or assassinate him. Abu Talib, realizing the danger of the situation at that time, he had gone to the people, he stood up in the Kaaba and he said, Ya Bani, ya Bani Hashim. He called out to the family of Banu Hashim, he called out to the family, Ya Bani Abdul Muttalib, O children of Abdul Muttalib. And at that time, he had made a very, very emotional plea. That whether you agree with Muhammad or you do not, sallallahu alayhi wa whether you agree with him or you don't, are we really going to hand over one of our sons, one of our own people to these people and let them kill him and create this type of bloodshed and this precedent? Where's your honor? Where's your dignity? Abu Talib was, was a very intelligent man in that sense. So, what he was doing was he realized that, fine, you know, they don't believe in the message of the Prophet. They might not even like the Prophet. But the one thing that a lot of these people in Mecca still respect is that tribal pride. They have a lot of tribal pride. So, he basically leveraged that tribal pride that they had and he used that to. Settle this issue that no, we will not allow Abu Jahal to just you know in cold blood murder the Prophet sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Even if we don't agree with Muhammad, we're not going to allow him allow them to do that So that's what had happened at that time So now referring back to that so Abu Talib what he had done at that time He had said some asha'ar He had said some couplets and some poetry and I mentioned it here in the class And so Ubedatun Harith, رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ, he's from the family of the Prophet ﷺ. He's lying there with his head in the lap of the Prophet ﷺ, dying from this wound that he's received. And at that time, he looks up at the Prophet ﷺ and he says, يا رسول الله لو رأني أبو طالب لعلم أنّي أحق بقوله لو رأني أبو طالب لعلم أنّي أحق بقوله that if Abu Talib saw me here right now, he would know that I kept his word, meaning I I realized what he had said that day. And he quoted the Shiar of Abu Talib. He said, Which basically in the, the couplet of the poetry that he quoted there, it means that we will not surrender Muhammad. We will not surrender Muhammad until we are all killed around him defending him, And we would first forget about our own families. We would first leave our own families unprotected ever before we would leave Muhammad unprotected. So he quoted that couplet of Abu Talib and he said, if Abu Talib was here today, he would have attested to the fact, I kept that promise. I gave my life for you, Ya Rasulullah. I would not let anything hurt you, but I would give my life for you. And at that time, this was the last thing he said to the Prophet ﷺ, and then he passed away, in the lap of the Prophet ﷺ. And as he breathed his last, the Prophet ﷺ looked down at him and he said, Ashadu annaka shahidun." I bear witness that you are a martyr. you are a shaheed. I bear witness that you are a shaheed. And so, <clears throat> I forgot to mention this earlier. Yes, so the um, the two Sahaba who were the first to die. So this is the third now. Ubaytatul Hadith. The first two Sahaba who died because of the stray arrows. The first one was Mihja. His name was Mihja. It's kind of a strange name because he was not Arab. He was a freed slave of Umar al-Khattab. Mihja used to be a slave who had become Muslim. And Umar radiallahu ta'ala had purchased his freedom and basically set him free. And the second one was Harith ibn Suraqa. Haritha, the son of Suraqah. And it was Haritha, the son of Suraqah, this hadith is in the Sahihayn in Bukhari and Muslim, that his mother came to the Prophet ﷺ and she was the one who asked about what will happen to my son. And that's when the Prophet ﷺ said, wa inna ibnaki al al-'ala." That there are eight gates of paradise, but your son is in Jannatul al A'la, he is in the highest stages of paradise. So this is basically how the battle initially commenced. Um, and as I referenced earlier, Abu Dhar al-Ghifari radiallahu ta'ala anhu, whenever he would tell the story of the Battle of Badr, the Battle of Badr was a very, of course, it's a huge event. It's something we talk about even till today, right? It's a story that's told. It's something that is recounted even till today. Well, the Sahaba were the same way. So in the generation after the Prophet wasallam. when the tabi'un came, or the younger sahaba came later on, the sahaba who had witnessed the battle of Badr, people used to seek them out, ashabu Badr. The ashab of Badr, the people who participated in Badr, were known to be very special. And I'm gonna be talking about this at the end of our discussion of the Battle of Badr. What are the virtues of the people who participated in the Battle of Badr? And their names are fully accounted for, all 313 of them, their names are fully mentioned, not just in any book of hadith or any book of Sirah. Imam Bukhari has listed all 313 names of the people who participated in the Battle of Badr. <coughs> because these were a very very special group of people. So people used to seek them out to hear the story of the of the Battle of Badr from them directly. So Abu Dhal ghifari radiallahu radhiyallahu whenever he would tell the story of the Battle of Badr, and this hadith is in uh, Bukhari and Muslim, that annahu kana He used to take an oath. He would say, "Wallahi." He would say, "Wallahi." hadani fi Rabbihim. He said that this ayah نَزَلَتْ فِي حَمْزَى wa وَعُتْبَى وَصَاحِبَيْهِ يَوْمَ بَرَزُوا فِي بَدْرِ That the day that Hamza رضي الله تعالى and his two companions Ubaidah ibn Harith and Ali ibn Abi Talib When they walked out from the ranks into the battlefield And they were met by Utbah and his two buddies His brother Shaybah and his son Walid And when these three fought, those three This ayah was revealed about that particular incident so after this basically happened, the narrations uh, mention that at this time, the two armies, they came close to one another, they encroached on one another, and basically the battle commenced, the battle started at this particular time. And um, one of the interesting things that Imam al-Bayhaqi rahimahullah ta'ala, he mentions that the Prophet of Allah wasallam, he had basically given the Sahaba kind of like a battle cry or a rallying cry. You know, like even today, sometimes you see with like, uh, well, you, you, maybe you'll see it like in sports or something like that, that there's something that the team will chant or something that they'll say to kind of motivate one another, right? So in that sense, in battle, they have a battle cry or a rallying cry, something that the group says to kind of, you know, motivate one another and re- keep everyone kind of encouraged and motivated, let everybody know that don't worry, you're still surrounded by your people, so the Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Ja'ala Rasulullahi, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Shi'ar al Muhajirina, Yawmabadr, Ya Bani Abdurrahman. That they basically were saying, Ya Bani Abdurrahman, Ya Bani Abdurrahman. So anytime somebody would say, Ya Bani Abdurrahman, all the Muhajirun would answer. And the Shi'ar of the Khazraj, that was one of the major tribes of the Ansar, their Shi'ar was, Ya Bani Abdullah. So when you would say Ya bani Abdullah, all the Sahaba of the Khazraj would answer. And then for the Aws, Shayarul when the, the the Sahaba, the Ansari Sahaba who belonged to the tribe of Aws, they would be called by Ya bani Ubedillah. Ya bani Ubaidillah. When somebody would say Ya bani Ubaidillah, then all the Aws Sahaba would uh, answer. And the uh, the cavalry, basically the few Sahaba who were riding on horses, the Prophet ﷺ had named them Khaylullah khaylullah the horses of allah the cavalry of allah um, and ibn hisham in his sirah he mentions that ahadun ahad that they would answer with ahadun ahad so when they would say like regularly the prophet would call out to them and he would say ya bani abd then all the muhajirun would say ahadun ahad and then he would say ya bani abdullah and all the khazraji sahaba would say ahadun ahad and then when the uh, when the prophet sallallahu say ya bani ubaidillah then all the Sahaba from Aus, they would say, Ahadun Ahad. So in this manner, they basically proceeded into the battlefield. Now, this is one of the interesting things. So when they initially proceeded into the battlefield, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in Surah Al-Anfal. And as I mentioned, one of the things we're going to do at the end of our study of the Battle of Badr is go through extensively the beginning part of Surah Al-Anfal because that completely lays out the Battle of Badr. And at that time, you'll be able to see what the ayat are talking about. But this, uh, the ayah number 9 and 10, Allah says, when you were seeking assistance from your Lord and your Master, فَاسْتَجَابَ And He answered your call for assistance. أَنِّي مُمِدُّكُمْ بِأَلْفٍ مِّنَ الْمَلَائِكَةِ مُرْدِفِينَ That I will aid you with a thousand angels, one riding after another. مُرْدِفِينَ إِرْدَافِ Radifun رديف is basically what you call a passenger. So the person that rides on the back of the animal is called radif. Murdifin means one of two things. And the mufassirun the mentioned both of these things. One narration is that it mentions that each and every single horse, so when the malaika, and I'll be talking more about the malaika, the angels coming down into the battlefield, but when they came down into the battlefield, they were riding horses. And one meaning of murdifin is that every angel that was riding a horse, there was an angel sitting behind him on the horse. So there were two angels per horse. The other meaning of Murdifine is that no, there was only one angel per horse, but what happens is that when the cavalry, when in the battlefield you are riding your horses together, when the cavalry comes in, if the horses are riding very close to one another, they're moving like a singular unit, Right? They're very closely riding together. It's a strategy. That it looks, if you look at them very quickly, you would almost think that they're all riding. There's multiple riders on each and every single horse because of how closely they're riding. One other thing that they mention is that the way that they ride is that each, basically every two horses next to one another are a little bit apart and there will be, uh, the next row of horses will actually be about halfway through. So what they do is that they're basically all interlocked like this. And that's how they ride. So one forward, one backward, one forward, one backward, one forward, one backward. And about halfway there. And so they all ride in that manner. And so if you look at them from the side, you would actually think that there's two per horse. But again, it's, it's a strategy of how they ride and how they attack. So some of the Mufassirun mentioned that Murdifin does doesn't mean that there were two angels on every horse. It just means that every angel had his own horse amongst a thousand. But they were riding down, coming down from the, from the sky. That's how they were riding down. So it looked like that there were multiple angels riding on each and every single horse. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, بِأَلْفِ مُرْدِفِينَ وَمَا جَعَلَهُ اللَّهُ إِلَّا بُشْرًا إِنَّ بِهِ <قُلُوبُكُم> Allah did not make this happen except as a uh, as a uh, as a congratulations or as a blessing from Allah وَلِتَطْمَئِنَّ بِهِ قُلُوبُكُمْ And so that your heart would find full comfort and solace and tranquility in this وَمَن نَصْرُ إِلَّا مِنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَزِيزٌ حَكِيمٌ And the help is only from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is dominant and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all wise. <clears throat> so the Prophet basically, this ayah alludes to the fact, id Remember when you were calling out to Allah, to your Lord and your Master Allah. So the Prophet ﷺ is engaged in du'a. And we talked about the du'as of the Prophet ﷺ on the day of Badr. So I told you that the Prophet ﷺ was making this du'a the night before Badr. But the Prophet of Allah ﷺ, he continued making this du'a on to the day of Badr. And even once the battle had commenced and started. So one of the things I mentioned to you was that the fact that the Prophet ﷺ at this particular time was standing and started to even... Perform salah to ask Allah subhanahu wa taala for help and assistance. During this time, Ali bin Abi Talib. عنه, in the narration from Dalailun ilun of Imam al bayhaqi ta'ala, he mentions that the Prophet of Allah sallallahu he says the battle had commenced. And I was out there in the battlefield, right? Ali عنه, the Prophet had stood him up, khunya ali, and sent him out for that initial um, face-off, that showdown before the battle started. And then once the battle actually commenced, the Prophet retreated to the tent. He went back to the tent for now. But I'll be talking about what the Prophet did after that. For the for in, Initially in the beginning, because now this is the critical moment, this is when these two armies are now clashing, the Prophet went to go make dua. And I will be explaining about how the Prophet later on came into the battlefield. And I wanna kind of give that its own right and I wanna mention that properly. But real quickly here, just so nobody gets the wrong idea, that the Prophet kind of like backed off of the fight, and he went to go there and pray, and while everybody else was fighting. The Prophet, ﷺ, after making his dua, and I'll mention the narrations, it's very beautiful and powerful. It does talk about kinda They mentioned that after the Prophet ﷺ was done with his dua and he saw the angels coming down from the heavens, from the sky, and he knew that the Nusra of Allah subhanahu has come, the Prophet ﷺ, the Sahaba say, the Abu anhu was protecting him, right? Abu Bakr ﷺ says the Prophet ﷺ jumped up. He jumped and he said that he ran into the battlefield. Yathibu fi dir'i. Right? That armor is so heavy that you can't really move in it. He said the Prophet was like leaping. He wasn't even walking, he wasn't running. It was like he was galloping, he was leaping in the armor. And Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu ta'ala anhu says that on the day of Badr, when the fighting became very intense, we used to look for the Prophet and we used to go hide behind him. Because the Prophet ﷺ was so brave, and the way he, he would walk all the way to the front and stand out there at the front line, you know, with his chest out, that we used to actually go and stand behind the Prophet ﷺ. So just, I wanted to mention that so nobody gets the wrong idea. But so the Prophet ﷺ for now, because he knows this is the crucial moment, the critical moment. I need the help of Allah Taala to come down from the heavens right now, visibly, actually, physically. And so the Prophet goes back to make his du'a. Ali bin Abi Talib ta'ala anhu says the fighting started, and I started. I was out there. I fought for a little while. Then I ran. I ran from there. I fought for a while, and then I ran الله الله To go and check on the Prophet What's he doing? Is he okay? Is everything all right? Like that panic. Right, that love that the sahaba had for the Prophet So I fought for a while and then I ran to go check on the Prophet And he says, "Fajitu yaqul." I saw him in sujood, in sajda with his face on the ground. And he was saying, "Ya Over and over again he was saying. يَا one when the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the ever living Ya Qayyum, the one who maintains everything the one who maintains everything Ya Hayy, Ya Qayyum, لَا yazidu عَلَيْهَا he wasn't saying any more than this فَرَجَعْتُ إِلَى الْقِتَالِ so then what I did was I went back to the fighting ثُمَّ جِئْتُ وَهُوَ سَاجُدٌ يَقُولُ ذَلِكَ أيضًا then I came back after fighting for a while and I looked at him again. I checked on him again and again he was saying, he was in sujood saying the same thing. So I went back to fight again for the third time. Then after a while I needed to check on him again. So I came back to check on him. And again I found him still in sajda, still saying the same exact thing. Now I want you to keep in mind, right? Somebody is fighting in the battlefield, right? That's not like, you know, walking across it's not like walking to your living room or something. We're not talking about like 30 seconds or a minute or whatever. Like let me just go check on what's going on over there. That's not the same thing. He goes to the battlefield, he fights. And then he leaves the battlefield and comes and he checks on the Prophet he's in sujood. And then he goes back and he fights. Then he comes back after some time and he's still in sajda, still saying, ya qayyum. Then again he goes back to the battlefield and fights. And then again, he leaves the battlefield and comes and checks and he's still in sajjah saying, يَا حَيَّا قِيُّمْ حَتَّىٰ فَتَحَ And the Prophet kept doing this until Allah granted the victory. Meaning the help of, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala came. And how did the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala come? Of course, we talked about this, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent angels into the battlefield. <clears throat> What's very, very fascinating and interesting about the angels uh, coming down into the battlefield is that some of the... Um, people who were on the side of the mushrikun on that particular day, who later on accepted Islam, and later on they became Muslim, they actually talk about what they saw on that day. One of them is Hakim bin Hizam radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And this is of course the cousin of Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha. And so he says that on that day of Badr, I saw that the entire sky had become dark. Like he's, what he describes is that, he said it looked like as if there was like a shawl or a blanket or a cloak that was put over the sky. And only later did I realize that these were angels that were riding down into the battlefield. A thousand angels came riding their horses down into the battlefield. And specifically it's mentioned that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the ayah mentions uh, a thousand angels coming down into the battlefield. And uh, one of the narrations actually explained this by mentioning the fact that there were 500, right, the, in, in war strategy they would call what was the uh, Mujannaba. Right, Mujannaba is basically the flank of the army. Right, so when they talk about the flank of the army, there's the flank on the right side and the left side, the right flank and the left flank. Alright, so he said that on the right side there was a Mujannaba, there were 500 angels on the right side of the army. And they were being led by Jibreel salam. And the Prophet sent Abu Bakr r.a. onto that side. So it was Abu Bakr and Jibreel salam leading 500 angels on the right flank of the army. On the left side there were another 500 angels, and leading them was Mikail salam. Mikail salam. The angel Mikail. And the Prophet sent Ali bin Abi Talib on to that side. So it was the angel Mikail and Ali bin Abi Talib leading 500 angels from the left flank. And one of the very interesting things that's mentioned about the battle of Badr that uh, multiple narrations mention this, that in every single battle, Allah subhanahu wa taala sent angels for the comfort of the Prophet and for the comfort of the believers. But the only time, the only time that the angels actually fought in the battlefield was the Battle of Badr. Was the Battle of Badr. It is the only time that the angels actually fought within the battlefield. So, at this particular point in time, the angels they came into the battlefield and started to basically fight on behalf of the believers and uh, one of the, one of the mushrikun, um, it's who later on accepted Islam, he mentions very specifically that nobody from a human being, there was not a human being that had captured me. The one who captured me was not a human being. It was somebody who was wearing white clothes. And he wrote down from the sky, He was very, very tall. He was huge, massive, humongous. And when I saw him, I immediately froze and became extremely intimidated. At that particular time, he took out some rope and he tied me up, and then he left me there. He tied me up and he left me. He said a little while later, Abdurrahman bin Auf radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he came, basically riding by in the battlefield. And he saw me lying there just tied up. So he grabbed me, picked me up, and he took me to the Prophet ﷺ. And at that time, the, uh, the Prophet ﷺ, when he took me to him, the Prophet ﷺ said that, who is this prisoner of yours? Ya Abdurrahman, who is this prisoner of yours? And he said that I told the Prophet ﷺ that he is not the one who tied me up. And then I described to him exactly who was the one who had tied me up. And at that time, the Prophet ﷺ said, Ya Abdurrahman, khud asirak. He said, Go ahead and take. This is your prisoner. That's fine. Because the Prophet ﷺ understood from the description, this is an angel. So that's fine. Finders, keepers, right? So you found him. You get to go. It's a gift from an angel to you. So you go ahead with your prisoner. So the angels came riding down into the battlefield and basically completely, um, you know, wreaked havoc on the uh, side and on the uh, army of the mushrikun of the Quraysh. At this particular time, there's a couple of very interesting stories that mention some of the bravery of the Sahaba, even in spite of all of this. The fact that the angels were helping them, they were still very, very brave people who were willing to do anything. There's a very famous um, narration that is mentioned uh, about an Ansari Sahabi. that uh, Umair bin al-Humam al-Ansari radiallahu ta'ala anhu that the uh, Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam you know he asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa was uh, encouraging the believers he was motivating them so he was saying Qumu ila jannatin wal-ard. Qumu ila jannatin wal-ard. go and stand up and fight for the paradise that is as vast as the heavens and the earth And um, everybody was saying, yes, 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 naam, naam, naam. And um, at that time, he says that I was sitting there eating some dates. I was sitting there eating some dates. So... The Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said that paradise, and I heard him encouraging everyone saying at that time, that go to a paradise that is as vast as the heavens and the earth. When I heard him say this and I was eating some dates, I hadn't eaten anything for days. And I was sitting there just eating a couple of dates and I heard him say this, I looked down at the dates in my hand and I thought to myself, that the only thing standing between me and paradise are a few dates. And he said that at that time, I said, Bakhin, bakhin, right? Like, you know, how amazing is that? And so I threw the dates aside and he ran into the battlefield um, and started to fight. So the Prophet ﷺ, at this particular time, after making all this dua, now that the angels had come down into the battlefield, now it mentions that part where the Prophet ﷺ, he himself got up from the place where he was making dua. And that's where it says, And the Prophet ﷺ was literally leaping, wearing his armor that very soon the armed, the group will be defeated and they will turn their backs and run from the battlefield. And that hour, that appointment, that time is their fixed appointment. That time is coming. And it will be really terrible for them. It will be very, very difficult for them. This ayah is from Surah Al-Qamar. Alright, this ayah is from Surah Al-Qamar. And Surah Al-Qamar is a Makki ayah. So, some people have even discussed, like, this is a Makki ayah. Why is it being mentioned here about the Battle of Badr? Umar ibn Khattab عنه, tells the story. He says, Yes, this ayah was Makkan. It was revealed in Makkah. And he says, But I didn't understand this. I didn't understand this ayah when it was revealed in Makkah. We're hiding, we're praying in secret, where people are being killed, people are having to leave Makkah and live as refugees in Habasha in East Africa. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, wa du- I believed it, but I didn't know what it was talking about. I had no idea what it was talking about. But I believed it. Allah said very soon, the group will be defeated. But I just didn't know what that was referring to. And He says, ayu Jam'ain Yuhuzam wa Ayu jama'in Yughlab." What group is this that will be defeated? What group is this that will be dominated? So Umar says فَلَمَّا كَانَ Badr, when the day of Badr came, رَأَيْتُ Rasulullah اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ dubur, And I saw the Prophet ﷺ leaping into the battlefield screaming الدبر, That this is the time and he said, then I understood what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had told us in the days of Makkah. And that's part of the, the even the reflection from that ayah. That in moments of difficulty, in moments of adversity, in moments where sometimes you have trouble seeing the lights at the end of the tunnel, right? you, you have trouble understanding how is this... Uh, okay, we believe the help of Allah will come and this will all work out. Right, there's probably people that feel that way throughout the world today. But at that time we constantly say, right? Allah is with the believers. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help is coming, and Allah's help will come. And relief and reprieve is coming for the, the believers. And that sometimes there's those moments where you think like, but I believe it, or maybe some people are like, I wanna believe it, but I don't see when, where, how, why, I just don't see how it will come together. This, this incident from the Battle of Badr reminds us that the ayah revealed in Mecca when the Muslims couldn't even show their faces in public. They lived in persecution. They lived in hiding. They lived as refugees. But now we see the victory occurring and angels riding from the heavens into the battlefield. And the tide is completely turning. That this was realized at that time. Now at that time, nobody believes like the Sahaba believed. None of us believe the way the Sahaba believed. They are the standard. right? So they had zero doubts about the fact if Allah said, سَيُّهُ زَمُّ then it will happen. That the, the group will be defeated, then they will be defeated. No doubt about it. But even they couldn't have predicted that it would happen like this. That would happen when you are outnumbered three to one. And it would happen when you don't have any type of preparation or armor or supplies. And it will happen with, with angels riding into the battlefield on the backs of horses. Nobody could have predicted that. But that is exactly what we believe in. That when the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes and nothing can stand in its way. So, at this particular time, as I mentioned before, the angels rode into the battlefield and the tide completely started to turn. And the, the victory basically you know, f- uh, was handed to the Muslims at this particular time through divine help uh, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, in the form of all these angels uh, riding into the battlefield. What we're gonna be talking about, I'm gonna go ahead and inshallah stop here uh, for today. What we're specifically gonna talk about uh, next week inshallah is we'll be talking about some of the leaders of the Quraysh. One of the very interesting is that when the Prophet ﷺ was informed of everyone who had come to fight in the battlefield that day, Utba, Shayba, right, Waleed bin Utba, Abu Jahl, and uh, um, Umayyah bin Khalaf, and the list goes on and on and on. The Prophet of Allah had even said on that day that أخرجت قريش إلينا Akbadaha That basically, Quraysh has handed over its most valuable, its most precious items to us. That Quraysh has exposed itself; it has made, left itself vulnerable. Right, so we'll specifically talk about uh, some of the key leaders of the Quraysh falling in the battlefield on the day of Badr and exactly how that happened and how that transpired, and that basically will lead us into talking about. The conclusion of the Battle of Badr And how everything uh, basically wrapped up from there And what happened um, not only to conclude the Battle of Badr But what happened immediately after the Battle of Badr We'll be talking about all of that inshallah in the coming sessions May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all the ability To practice everything that was said and heard And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make the life of the Prophet sallallahu A source of guidance, a source of inspiration And a source of hope for us A source of hope for us we don't study the life of the Prophet ﷺ simply to appreciate our own history. Or we don't simply do it to pat ourselves on the back, to feel a little bit better about being Muslim. We study the life of the Prophet ﷺ because it is the basis of our, uh, of our understanding of the religion of Islam. And it shows to us, you know, the way Allah taala operates in this world and how the deen of Allah taala is meant to function and operate within our lives in every facet and every aspect of our lives, through the good times and the bad. So again, take very seriously the study of the life of the Prophet even on your own time, in, uh, in the course of your own study. And again, I pray and I hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it a very beneficial study for all of us. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi, subhanakallah wa bihamdik, wa la ilaha illa anta, wa natubu